0: And we're live. Doc didn't try to mess me up today. But we will call that a win. All right. No, hey, I was just distracted by more important things like the bottle of wine that you're sipping out of. But it's classy because she's got I'm using a. Straw. a straw. She's a highfalutin wino. All right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place where we put the fun in dysfunction. Without further ado, let's introduce our guest, the one, the only, the lovely Miss Christina Gruel. So uh, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? <laughs> I promise nobody's been drinking yet, except for Doc, but she didn't stop. It's not starting. So, Doc
1: has heard me introduce myself enough times, and and Pam to know that you just butchered the fuck out of my
0: name. Yeah, you're Christina, right? <laughs> yeah. I saw okay, that a win. I've- I thought that would was am... easy. I don't need to check beforehand.
1: <laughs> it's it's German, if that helps.
0: Oh, I didn't spit enough then. Okay.
1: No, it's Christina gruel, you know, like the food with an extra L. Uh, so let's try that introduction again. I'm Christina gruel, author of the In Blood and Fire series and soon the expa- expanded uh, Summerlight Universe novels. And...
0: That's what I got. <laughs> so I, I have it Blabbing on good authority much. from my um, from my German professors in college and in both my teachers in high school. Uh, <laughs> it's a town authentically German. All you got to do is spit a little bit as you talk and sound like you're really, really angry. That's the trick for German. Just sound uh, perpetually angry and like you're about to spit on somebody. So, uh, you know, I, I, if I'd have known to use that rule, we would have gotten it right. You know, but, that
1: sounds interesting because when my husband is angry, he does spit a little bit when
0: he yells, so maybe. Maybe he's part German and just doesn't know it.
1: Oh, he is exactly half German down the line.
0: Oh, outstanding. So I nailed oh. it. Uh, yeah. And if you want to send, if the uh, legion of, of listeners over there in, in Deutschland want to send the hate mail, it is Sesca at <laughs> Uh she, she wants you to, to tell her all about it. She loves those letters. Tell me how much JR annoys the shit out of you. It's okay. We can we'll <laughs> We'll drink together over it. She will, too. She'll drink to anything. So uh, the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first found them. So uh, this one came through Doc, where I meet all the cool peoples, because she actually goes out and has a social life and talks <laughs> to people and pretends that she has feelings and stuff. It, it's weird how she does it. Um, they must have a, a good program on her AI for that for that model of Android, but, but she manages well. So uh, Doc, where did you meet her?
2: we actually did a panel together for Sifcon a, a year ago and um, it was a wonderful panel we had a lot of fun we talked about uh, tropes right it was tropes we
1: were on two panels together we were on kids. two
2: panels together we did tropes yeah. and we did something else and
1: I don't
0: even remember I, watched I remember your panel, so I must have seen it
1: <laughs> I remember so. after the panels we spent a whole lot of time in the. we office. had spent
0: a
2: whole lot of time talking. There, may we, we, involved.
1: there there was some drinking involved because i think one of those was my na- last panel of the day
2: yes so we had but we had a lot of fun and i knew she just needed to come on the show and have some fun with us so yes we use the scientific method here to find our panelists nope
0: <laughs> yeah basically doc so- stumbles into a bar and asks who the authors are and Whoever raises their hand comes on the show. Actually, typically they find me. It's kind of weird. But bars we are involved. Thank, I know that uh,
2: we, are.
1: we can thank one of your recent panelists for this, Amy Duboff, who yes. runs Sifcon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and then somehow put there. us on panels together.
2: Because <laughs> she knew that chemistry would be there.
1: I think if she she listens to this, she won't ever put us on a panel again because she'll find out that we've spent too much
0: time left.
2: No, she might. We might do a panel with her then. She might just decide to join in the party.
0: She might. We have so a lot good. of fun. She's yeah. busy with her whole movie thing right now, trying to be romance, in Hollywood
2: amazing movie producer. She's like a quadruple threat, you know, movies, writing, so much. And just a general good human being. It's completely disgusting how talented Amy is.
0: All right, Doc. We got to decide if she gets to stay. So you got to ask her the religion questions. Okay.
2: So, Total Recall, Minority Report, or Blade Runner?
1: Do I get kicked off for the wrong a- answer?
2: No, junior doesn't have that kind of sway.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Blade Runner.
0: That is awesome. You get you get bonus points if you know what the common thread in all those movies was.
1: I have to admit, I don't think I've seen
0: Total Recall. Well, there were two of them. The common thread is they were all short stories by Philip K. Dick that were um, made into movies.
1: Oh, well, he's the author with the hot, most hot movies
0: movie. made because, like, there was a one hot one
1: actor them. in
2: one. So, I mean, there was a hot actor in all of them, actually. Well, well then I
1: know what I'm doing after I finish this novel. I'm going back and watching the rest of them.
0: All right, so we got to have our priorities, I guess. <laughs> But Doc, will will Henry Cavall or however you say his name be mad that you're stepping out with other actors?
2: Henry Cavill, I think he'll be totally fine.
0: He'll just put another mini for you? It works. (laughs) Try not to drool. We got a podcast to do. You
2: know what? It's okay. Don't bring up Henry Cavill unless you want a distraction. So now, since we've done the sci-fi on to the fantasy Mistborn, Lord of the Rings, or The Wheel of Time? Wheel of Time! <laughs> no hesitation. I approve.
0: Wow. I put Mistborn on there specifically because of a conversation we had. I thought for sure you were going for that one.
1: Outland Mandragoran is my king and has my heart and soul in undying devotion till the end of time.
0: So did you watch the... Uh... Um, was it Amazon that did the adaptation? Yes. Don't bring that shit up with me. Move on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Next question, apparently,
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Insert your um, foot into your mouth some more.
0: <laughs> give, we give can discuss air. that after the show. Get me off air, and I'll tell you how I met Robert Jordan. But uh, we here at the Blasters and Blades. Oh, you just, you've got to listen to it again. That's what happens when you're on the podcast with me. No, I don't. So, uh, yes, I don't do. consent. Also, well, I had a bet with
1: someone about how long it would take during this before I would put up my hair.
0: So
1: <laughs> someone should mark the minute so we can see who wins this. It's obviously not me.
0: So uh, <laughs> I'll write it down. 755. So, we here at the Blasters and Blades podcast like both the fantastical and the scientific. So, which was your first love, sci fi or fantasy? Fantasy. Okay. So, what was your I first love memory
1: both,
0: of... Acceptable answer. So, what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction as a genre? Was it reading a specific book, watching a TV show, a movie, playing a game? Was it Baby Yoda? No,
1: I was just proving that I do love.
0: Yes, I just say I would hope you found it before baby Yoda came out since you had a book yeah, out already. Yeah, no, I did. Um
1: so my first introduction uh <laughs> I was um 15 and it was online role playing.
0: <laughs> so last year. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Yeah, it was online role playing, and uh, I I played a um, vampire with some questionable life choices.
0: I
2: think all vampires. Vampire the Masquerade
0: by definition. Was it Vampire the Masquerade?
1: Uh no, dude. This was like the dark day. I'm fixing to like age myself here. So this is the dark days of AOL when like the you had to sacrifice
0: robots to get online we tortured four yeah goals.
1: like you know you you did your started your dial up and then you went and made yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and got a snack and came back mm-hmm. got comfortable watched the thing do the dial up for a little bit longer and then you connected and then you had to get off the computer if someone needed to make a phone call
0: i remember yep. you know who else remembers remember. pepperidge farm remembers i'm just gonna put that out there for all you devoted listeners so what is it you love about these? Why are you doing that, doc? It's too early for you to be rubbing your head like you got a migraine. We're only are 10 minutes sure? in. We are got 50 sure? more minutes of this. <sighs> you gonna be able to hang on? I'm gonna lay the shenanigans yeah. the deep today.
2: Yeah, no, but I do need to get some more mead before we do more of these.
0: <clears throat> <laughs> no, we really ought to get them to sponsor us. We talk about them all the dang time. I'm telling you. We're like a walking, talking AA meeting. Minus
2: Wait, now million. okay. Now you have to say what the name of the metery is, since you say we talk about them all the time.
0: I got memory issues. I have an excuse. You get to say the plug because they're in local I to know. you.
2: But you should know this is Viking. Viking Alchemist metery? Metery. Yes.
0: Alchemist. Yeah. Viking Alchemist Metery. I knew there Definitely. was Vikings involved. So uh now we're gonna get the long axe and exactly make that ahead. blunt force segue. See what I did there? Yeah, that's what we call it in the biz. That's how you do it when you wanna be professional. So what is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre?
1: The escapism, the fact that you can go to another world or change the world that we're in in any way that you want to. Um, That's what I really love about it, is the escapism.
0: Okay, that is an acceptable uh, answer. And uh, Viking alchemist. So we are going. It just popped up after we already moved. So your attempt to make me sound like I knew what the heck I was talking about failed miserably. It always
2: fails miserably when I try to help you sound like an intelligent human being.
0: I mean, I speak fluent M sixteen. Don't make me get mad.
2: Yeah, you're You're scared, right? You haven't qualified at the range in long enough. I'm not sure you even know what you're talking about anymore.
0: I could play with those bras in my sleep. They don't teach it that way anymore, I bet. It's not It's not uh, politically correct. So breathe, relax, aim, slight, squeeze. So they either teach it as bras or brass to the ladies. It's an acronym to remember your marksmanship posture. It works. Um, so many years later, I still remember. It's In not whether or not you remember, it's whether or not you still can and I can close that dust cover jacket in my sleep and I still could do it, I bet, maybe, I don't know. I haven't yeah, touched I a know. gun since I turned mine into the army as I left. You know I what happens when guys get older, they develop disorders. <laughs> <laughs> they got pills for that. <laughs> <laughs> they call them enhanced optics. <laughs>
2: I tell my about
0: this podcast <laughs> it's, so did we just beat casey's answer because i think i might have no you didn't but okay, I good, I'm still good. One, if your grandmother's anything like mine she
2: probably said stuff way more scandalous oh no 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 uh,
0: grandma's not watching
1: this or listening
0: to it or anything <laughs> all right doc you could pull this one out of the bag you could you could save it do you have it in you Question 10, can you do it?
2: I will beat you in your till to death. So, how did your love of speculative fiction? did, Did you? Did you didn't ask her what her first memory was? Yes, she said it. Okay, so how did your love of speculative fiction develop into your writing stories on this?
0: This is why we just say no to drugs, people.
2: Better women for modern pharmacology. <laughs> we broke Christina.
0: <laughs>
1: no, I'm trying not to say. I'm trying to behave slightly, at least just a little bit. Um, so, my first role play stories, our first books, were actually backgrounds for my role play characters, which I still have and will never see the light of day. <laughs> They are in spiral notebooks right over there. <laughs> and they are terrible.
0: How much is it um, going to take no. to bribe your husband to get us those stories?
1: Um, he knows that I will withhold sex if he makes me mad. So yeah.
0: Oh. Right. Okay. So a trip to Vegas is in order. Got it. <laughs>
2: Know what Jared thinks he's gonna find in Vegas, but okay.
0: Yeah. JR is family friendly, so Doc is gonna move right along.
2: Yes, we are moving on to uh real life experiences that influenced your writing. Do you have any?
1: Um yes, <laughs> quite a few of them. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, so we'll start with the sad one first. Um, I was hit by a pickup truck when I was 15 years old and got put in a wheelchair for eight months. Um, and that drastically changed my life. I was a very physical, um, person, always dancing or riding horses. And suddenly I was stuck.
0: Um,
1: so that's when I first really started writing. Uh, like I said, it was originally, For my role-playing characters but i built them this whole world to live in and that's when my love for world building really um started i i drew maps i made cultures they were crappy but it was it was a good fun exercise and and a lot of what i learned over the years while i was still crappy um is the foundation that i built on as an adult um my maps are a whole lot better i don't know if you've seen them um yes they're
2: you've shown me them yeah, tell anybody but look at this thing
1: yeah um i i hand drew my original map and my cover artist turned it into something worth looking at Online on uh on my books, but this is the original. Wow. Uh took me a little over a week to draw it. But uh yeah, yeah, I um I won't show you the, the first maps that I drew. They were very terrible. And we don't need to see them.
2: That happens. Uh everything's they... gonna start somewhere.
1: I know we had uh touched on the fact that my husband is a retired navy officer and i have definitely drawn on his experience and his uh geekiness one of his favorite wars and yes we have favorite everyone in this house has their own favorite war
2: that's totally legit
1: we get into discussions about and his favorite is the war of 1812 which had a lot of nautical um elements to it all of which he is very well versed and I could segue into something dirty but I won't from here, but all of those which he's very well versed. And um, I use those, you know, I I tend to put people on ships and then have shit happen a lot. And so whenever people are on ships and shit is happening, I always go to him and ask him for the correct terms for things and whether what I'm, wanting to do is plausible are totally batshit crazy impossible so
0: yeah
2: you use him that's fine you're they're supposed to be used they like it it makes them feel useful and yeah. love
0: oh he's very loved <laughs> okay so that um swings us into our our next question which was going to be normally we ask um the guests who happen to have been military veterans, if that time, um, how that affects them. But while you weren't in the service yourself, you you certainly spent enough time married to it. So I would imagine that um, that would affect uh, the way you tell stories because you have an experience unique to a very small sort of community of people having been dependents of the military. So do you feel like that does, in fact, um, affect the way you tell stories?
1: I do. Um, you know, I was very lucky that the second command we were part of after we got married um, was very close. So I am friends with not only the wives, but the service members and the CEO of of that command. And uh, they've always you know, I was working on ashes when we were in that command. And they were all very supportive of me. Wow. Um, I also met our sister wife through that one. <laughs>
0: wow! Because,
1: Did not yeah. expect that to go there. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm sure that have y'all been on ships before? Up in the, I have.
0: I was a navy brat.
1: Up in the um, stateroom area. Right. So where when you're a department head, you often just share a bathroom with one other person, which is nice. Um, Our sister wife was one of only two female officers that were in the upper ranks. And she ended up sharing a bathroom with my husband. There were a lot of wives that were like, aren't you uncomfortable? No, I keep my man happy at husband at home. I'm not worried about shit. But (laughs) me and Emery became very close. She was actually the the senior medical officer. And uh, if my husband wasn't behaving at home like I needed him to, he was dealing with um, some medical issues. If he wasn't doing what I thought he should at home, I would call her. (laughs) And if... If she needed the bathroom cleaned and he wasn't prioritizing, she would email me. Uh, we we him on his toes between the two of us. And still to this day, we talk back and forth. We actually had like a two hour call just a week ago where we brought the phone was getting bounced back and forth from him to me. And we were all just, yeah. So she's, we call her our sister wife, um, totally platonic, but. She is one of the most awesome people I've ever met. But it's really nice that I've had those people that I can ask questions and bounce stuff off of. And There's a lot of military people in my book, so it's good to have military people to ask questions.
0: That makes sense. So you mentioned the military people in your book. When you write those military people in your books, do you draw on people you met while you were moving around the world with your husband as a Navy dependent?
1: Um, So there's actually a character in my book that was based off of my husband when we were still dating. Actually, when we were friends before we were dating.
0: I'm not saying who. So that'll leave it up to the readers to guess. And since you're not going to tell them, whatever they say is the right answer because they want it to be. It's the so joke like
2: professor. the reader. It's the right answer because your college professor said it was, even if they're wrong. Well, Wait, well no, I-, I argued with those professors. Never mind.
1: I based him off of what the image in my head was before I'd ever seen a picture of him because we met on a video game and were friends for four and a half years before we started dating, and for most of those four and a half years, I didn't know what he looked like.
0: That happens. So Doc's gonna try to control herself. She's knitting again. It's her. I'm not knitting. She stabs the yarn so she doesn't stab me. It I am not knitting. Crochet? I don't know. I get those two mixed up.
2: I'm not even, I don't even have anything in my hands.
0: All right. We got to lay playing off the with one. Her sweater. So, does your, um, we've talked about a little bit about how your time in the telling or, your mother. That's cheating. Uh, we've talked a little bit about how your time as a Navy-dependent affects the way you tell stories, but has it affected the way you engage in stories as a reader or consumer?
1: Um, a little bit, especially when I'm reading more contemporary fiction. Um, every now and then I'll, I'll get on a bent where I want to watch a uh, military-based show. Although what we're really fucks us up is we are on an NCIS kick right now, like the old show, the original show, and I have been a Navy dependent long enough and listened to him tell me things that I will point things out in the show, either at the same time or seconds before he does, that they've gotten wrong.
2: I really, as no disrespect to anybody who likes the other ones, but there is only one N T I S in my world. The original? I remember when it was the spinoff show from JAG.
0: Yes. I remember Jag. I remember watching
1: Jag with my dad when
0: I was me in me too. City. Yeah, so
2: he actually,
1: actually
2: has met... them on CDs. See, that's I blame my parents for, for that because what not not only did we watch them, but if they ever brought up anything political, we then had to debate the politics with my parents
0: on CNN. Um, so did you? Um, you remember the character that played <laughs> Bud? the character that played Bud's wife on the show, I can't remember the actress's name. She actually was one of the uh, keynote speakers, I guess, on the USO tour when I was in Iraq. So that was kind of cool. We got to meet her. And I was wearing the, I remember because I was wearing my birth control glasses and she's like, your wife must, because I was wearing my wedding ring. She's like, your wife must really love you if he's still with you when you wear those. I'm like, there's a reason they call them birth control glasses. But the the funny thing was how tall she was. She was taller than me and I'm 5'9". She said that the actresses that play that played Kristen Christina Bell, I think, um, and yeah. uh, and Mark Hammon, um, they were so tall that they just made everyone else look short. Uh, so she wasn't as short as I thought, and she has a nice right hook. We got to see that in action. So, okay, did you're curious, punch aren't someone you? Or... She she did. So th- we were in line because you know you do the, the arm around the waist pose for a quick picture, next in line kind of thing. Well, they were doing that, you know, and signing stuff or whatever that people could send home to their families. And some uh, enterprising young airman decided he was going to grab her backside. Uh, and before the MPs could get involved, she had one to the left and one to the right. And boom, he's on the ground. So not only is he going to the brig with charges, he's got to tell them why he got beat up by a chick, a civilian chick at that. It was glorious payback. Awesome. I laughed. It was awesome. So, all right, Doc, I will ramble if you let me. So you got to ask the next question. It's all your fault.
2: It's not my fault. I asked about real life
0: experiences. Oh, wait. No, In my defense, mine. I was left unsupervised. That's my defense for the podcast. I was left unsupervised. We're gonna, just going to blame Nick. Oh, yeah, he's not here. It's perfect. So, exactly. I feel cheated he did. I that I only mean. got
1: two I, veterans and not three. I was promised three veterans, and I only have two here. So you have to He's have five.
0: Oh, the Coast Guard. oh. See, Nick, she called you out while you're out playing with the Coast Guard. She's like, Why aren't you here? Damn.
2: Um, that's what happens when the Army Ranger sp- sleeps with the Coast
0: Guard, I guess. We're going to get ourselves in trouble. Okay. The Department Moving of Homeland on. Security is going to come looking for us. They're gonna be like, We heard you talk about our friend, Nick. <laughs>
1: you'll just have to have me back, you know, on another book when and I'll just smile
2: and go and that is part of why the Coast Guard is DHS,
0: not DoD. Uh, uh, Fandom questions, your favorite.
2: Fandom questions. Have you had any cool fan art or a cosplay yet of any of your characters?
1: I actually have had a fan. um, One of my readers uh, is an artist and I commissioned a piece of her art to put into book four. So it's going to go into book four as part of a newspaper article. It's really, it's amazing. Oh, cool. Amazing. Yeah. So I had her, I was like, I sent her a couple of examples of Victorian line art for newspaper. <laughs> News, don't do shit like that when I'm talking for, uh, you know, Victorian newspapers. And I was like, you know, something like this. And what she came back with um you know, Victoria newspaper artists have nothing on her. It is amazing.
2: Well, I would hope not.
1: Really captured all three characters that are in the picture.
2: That is really cool. Um,
0: Is that something you have on my...
1: It's up on my... I'm gonna say it wrong. I always say it wrong. My Patreon.
2: Yes. (gasps) It's up on there. I we love link that, that in the show notes, particularly when I do, um, my brothers and I were actually just talking about it when I'm buying physical copies. A lot of times I really love those like details that for all the world, I love my nook and, and other ebook readers, they just don't come across as well as in a physical copy
1: actually in all of my physical copies so i do a lot of um sharing information via media um i'm introducing newspaper articles but i've got journal entries and there's a lot of letters or Mm. script stone messages um which is like uh a telegraph you know so basically it's mated stone so like you have one stone and I have one stone and we can send messages back and forth, but we can only send messages to each other's stones, not to other people's stones. Okay. So I do a lot of sharing information magically through those stones, but it takes energy and you can only send a message one letter at a time. So it's not like you can send a long, long letter. You're usually doing yeah, it's shorthand. It's it's passing along the most of like information. was like back in the day. Yes.
0: And if you want it, you better really want it, because you got to hit that nine like three times to get the right letter. And then you pass yes. it, and oops, i got to hit it a few more times. It's, you know, it's really
1: Morse code with pulses of light. And so, like, you really got to want to send that message, and you really got to want to receive the message, because it takes a hot minute. And no. if we were
0: doing that in science fiction, we would but, call quantum entanglement.
1: But when you get the... I'm ignoring you. We don't do science fiction over here. So <laughs> <laughs> When you get the physical copies, all of the letters and all of the scriptstone messages are actually in different fonts for the different handwritings of the different people that are writing them. So I, okay. I literally have a handwritten list of who is what?
2: Hey, you do what you got to do, right? So, um, has anyone asked you for your autograph? Yes.
1: Yes. I actually had to cut off the numbered signed copies at 50 for each book because it got so hard. I don't know why I decided that was a smart idea, but (laughs) I number the first 50 copies of each book that I signed. And it got so much of a pain in the butt to keep track of what number for what book I was at. And I was like, okay, I've done it 50. <laughs> no more numbers after 50 for each book. So I, yeah, I've done enough that I've had to cut off numbering
0: for for books.
2: Wow, very cool. So what was it like the first time somebody asked you for your autograph?
1: Um, so funny story, I published book one, and uh, the paperback and the ebook came out on the same day. And I had ordered copies from Amazon, but they take forever to get to you for as an author. Um, so I was like in here working on book two, doing some of the I don't know, I was doing something bookish. And my husband called me into the office. He had ordered the book from Amazon as as like a purchaser of the book. And he was actually the first person that let me hold a copy of my own printed Aww. book. And then I signed it for Aww. him.
2: That's so sweet.
1: Yeah, he's pretty sweet. And he's got a nice really-
0: book. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need a moment?
2: I Step love Step out of the you. room okay so have you spotted someone reading one of your books out in the wild so i don't do the wild at (laughs) all
1: i'm i'm you know we we have been doing the whole in the house thing for two years um i'm i'm pretty high risk for covid so even though we're all vaccinated i just don't go anywhere
2: well after a while it becomes kind of a habit too
1: I'm fine. I don't have to wear a bra if I'm at home. I mean it's, it's a lot more comfortable.
2: What I it's have me seen, either?
1: <laughs> I have seen
0: they are you um, should though. You really should. They call them bros. Didn't you watch Seinfeld? No, I was reading a book.
1: <laughs> so
0: I don't know why we're
1: showing our faces on here and he's not showing his face. It's just that's another story.
2: It's a long story, but part of it is he keeps breaking the cameras every time he puts his face on them.
0: True story. Fair
2: enough.
1: So I have seen people recommending my books in reader groups. You know, someone will say, hey, (laughs) what should I read next?
2: Hey, I think that counts as in the wild because it's totally unsolicited. So
1: it's a digital wild. wild place
2: uh particularly if you've been on facebook
1: yeah that's where i've seen them recommended multiple times which it was kind of (laughs) like
2: that's awesome yeah so what is the funniest interaction or weirdest depending on it that you feel comfortable sharing with us since you you've had since you've started writing
1: uh i've i've had the usual you know weird people creeping up in my inbox um (laughs) i think every woman who puts herself out there ends up with um the middle eastern person that is a doctor who lives right next door to you that you know
2: i love the incredibly anglo looking guys who try telling me that they're like in general in the military and i'm like so what's up lieutenant so our not i'm like what's up specialist general and they're like blah blah blah. i'm like there ain't no such thing as a specialist general
1: i just block them but i did have um so the the coolest encounter i'll call it is um someone had recommended my books in a sub special group for um the cosmere one of the groups that kind of us center around center around um, how Brandon Sanders, Sanderson really addresses mental and physical disabilities and really uplifts them. There's a couple of groups that are based on that. And my books got recommended in one of those groups. And I ended up getting some organic fans that way. My favorite one is Andrew, who gets to show up in the books as a... Uh, in in book three as a a guard. But he joined my Facebook group, joined the Discord, you know, was really getting involved. And I'm like, I don't know you. How did you find me? (laughs) Because early on with Ashes, most of the people that were active in my group were people I knew. And so I was like, I don't know this guy and uh when the next book came out that he hadn't read he messaged me on discord and was like is it okay if i message you with my responses because i don't want to spoil it for anyone else but i really want to talk about this and i don't want you to answer my questions i just want a place to put them and i was like sure and so he live commented his reactions every point of the book and it was it was just really amazing to see, a some of like the the hidden things that he picked up on through the books, you know he will reference something that I alluded to in book one that happens in book three, and he's one of the few people that catches it and he ties some of the prophecies to events. It's it's really cool, but when he was first asking if he can message me his comments. I kid you not. I ran through the house, screaming unintelligibly. I have a fanboy. I have a fanboy. I have a fanboy because I was so excited that, that this guy loved my book so much that he wanted to to live reaction his comments. You know his thoughts as he was reading. It's really cool. That is,
0: that is cool. awesome. All right, so we're going to. We are
2: going to. We're going. No, I was going to do it because you always say the wrong thing. So we are going to take a commercial interlude while JR shills for whoever will pay him attention. Um, (laughs) So enjoy this brief commercial and we'll, we'll be back with more.
0: Fugitive federal agents Sebastian Vickery and Ingrid Castine, both sensitive to the ghosts that haunt the modern Los Angeles freeways, side streets, and alleys, are plunged into the supernatural secrets of the vast city in its history when a ghost addicted Silicon Valley guru seeks to draw the lost souls of a million Angelinos into the creation of a predatory world god. Vickery and Castine may be old hands at dealing with the spirit world, but they've never been in a pursuit so deadly with the stakes so high. Forced Perspectives by Tim Powers from Bane Books at BaneBooks.com. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. I have so, uh, suitably chastised Doc for her impertinent behavior. I have Dr. Excuse pay, accordingly. Me. You didn't
2: even know the word interlude until five minutes ago.
0: Sure I did. I have a dictionary beside me. I know all the words. Prove I it. I just have to I it. Next thing you know, you're going to say up. you have a calculator in your pocket. I do. Well, actually, it's sitting beside me on my cell phone. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. So, right, this is where we talk about everything Miss Christina Gruel (laughs) has written. So, can you please give us the Reader's Digest version of your uh, body of work?
1: Uh, It it won't take too long. I currently have three novels and two short stories out. I uh, owe my fourth book to my wonderful editor, Jen MacDonald. On the 26th, and it will happen come hell or high water.
2: Uh, you've promised people now you have to follow through, or else, oh, yeah, have, or else we have to be nice to JR. So, really, please follow through.
1: I will follow through. I i hit uh 81,000 <laughs> 81, today, so only you know a couple, I don't know, a lot of thousands to go. Um, and then I have the two short stories by the end of the year, I will have, um, two more short stories and I think two more books. Yeah, that sounds right. Two more short stories and two more books.
0: Well, all of that sounds fascinating because there's so much to choose from, but today we're going to talk about From the Ashes, the first book in the Blood and Fire series, which I approve of the name. It's uh, suitably grim. Uh, But where did you get the premise for this? (laughs) Yeah, Doc likes to blow things up in the lab. So how did you come up with the premise for this universe? Was it uh, psychedelics, the Ouija board, uh, overindulging in bad Navy galley food? Uh,
1: This series was actually, uh, the world was actually um, realized before my husband and I got married when we were, still just internet friends so he didn't have too much input in it until later on but uh it was just the the main character started speaking to me and uh i i figured out she wasn't in our world and i had to come up with some shit. and uh, i started with um the main continents and countries in the world and just gave them all their own cultural identity their own religious identity and and kind of built it up from there i did a lot of the world building before i ever wrote anything in the world um which i'm glad for but the first book was actually written over a span of uh six years while i was uh moving all over the place uh i was also dealing with a lot of health issues so there would be times where I'd be away from it for like six months and then come back. It just got overwritten and overedited. And I finally got the advice to just put it in a box and rewrite it from memory. And And I did that in a year and a half while my husband was deployed overseas. So during his very last deployment in the Navy, um, I wrote from the ashes, from memory, while running a house with three kids. One of which is an insomniac and only sleep was only like sleeping three hours a day, night, whatever.
2: Yeah, we're not going to talk about my stories with that one.
1: Yeah, we can do that after the show. Um, But we've
2: done that. We've bonded over that one already.
1: Well, you know, it sounds like you've got some updated content that I'm not aware of.
2: Oh my God! Paranormal activity should not occur in real life. And by that, I just standing in the corner of your room, going, "Are you awake yet? No, go away."
1: I can tell you some stories. I really can. Some more that you haven't even heard. Just ask me about turtles. (laughs) So
0: one of these days, people are going to wonder how much they have to pay to come into the after show and just listen to us talk.
2: They probably. You know what? We can do that. I will do that if they pay for
0: it. All right, dear listener, reach out to Doc. We'll, we'll list the social media stuff at the end and, and you can talk to her about this. She handles the uh, the scheduling and such. But before we dig into the story itself, let's uh, take a moment and enjoy this glorious cover. So can you tell us how this cover came to be? What it, What's the story of this? Because it's not the one you started with
1: no it's not um i was really i really wanted the focus of the covers for series one to be Thana, who who is the main female character um i just felt like she deserved that spotlight um she goes through hell and back and then back again and back again in this series um with her beautiful purple eyes i'm not sure if you can see those
2: those are awesome eyes.
1: Yes, they are. Um, it's it's a identifying characteristic of her female line. Um, the first in the first book, she starts out as um, as a princess, and this is on the back blurb, so it's non spoiler. Um, a princess who's basically being used as a bartering chip to seal an alliance, as many women throughout That's, the ages have yeah. been used. Um, by their, by their male relations, in this case, her uncle, who is her legal guardian. Um, She is one of only three legitimate heirs for her family's house that are next in line for the throne. And, you know, he's, he's like, I've got the two boys, I'm going to use you as a bartering chip. And so she starts out, um... She starts out as uh you know as that bartering chip and and she's got to make her way in a new life, so um I really just wanted her to be the focus of the cover. The previous cover um was a little light and fluffy, and I feel this one's a little more dark and moody and kind of really shows how the the books are not light and fluffy. There, um, you know, you it kind of starts and you think, okay, I'm in some sort of political Victorian-esque story and everything's okay. And then it, it, it goes to shit about, her world goes to shit about halfway through the book, so.
2: That sounds
0: like <laughs> life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had one person tell me that, you know, um, the second half of part two... And then all of part three is emotional torture. Because he didn't think that the stakes could get any higher. And then they did. And then they did again. And then they did
2: again. (laughs) So, what would your 30 second elevator pitch for this book be? I know, it's so hard.
1: (laughs) Uh, Woman bartered to another country and there's a mad goddess who thinks she's going to take over the world read my book
2: that works i I'm like it uh, so what do you think is it that makes this series special and unique in uh fantasy i mean fantasy is wonderfully filled with colorful um strong females but I mean you and i've talked so i know but now you get to tell other people the answer
1: um it was really important for my children to be able and i have nieces and nephews nephews of two of color it was really important for my for me that my children are able to see them selves in fiction um that's one one reason why i kept saying she needs to be darker um this the the young lady that's the the actress or the the cover model that is on on the books i wanted her to be brown because my my daughter's brown my niece is brown uh this this girl looks like my daughter she she'll hold up the book and say look at mommy it's me i
2: want this dress
1: (laughs) uh i've screwed Um, myself
2: making that dress
1: yeah i've screwed myself because she really wants every dress that's on Lenathena throughout the entire series. So and now she wants... Do you, know
2: you know what you'll wear for a prom?
1: Well, she wants the sword that's on cover five, and I'm like, we're getting that made out of plastic because I'm not giving you a metal sword. You're five. <laughs>
2: yeah. that 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 is totally legit and fair. And I, but, I do and think uh, there's there's something to be said about um, showing the, our kids the the type of people not necessarily always who reflects who they are currently but who we want them to be
1: and Lynn, to athena is strong and that's something that i wanted for my daughter um and, and for for my sons as well but another recurring theme in my books is that family isn't always just the people you're born into it's it's what you make of your life along the way um when athena you know loses a lot of her family at a young age and then she doesn't have much left when we start the series and she really builds herself a family and and these group of women that she clusters around herself which um later get the nickname the she wolf pack and i'm not telling you anything more about that but they're no, they're very really, well don't give us a spoiler well you
2: don't know who's in the pack
1: so you know obviously these, these...
2: the xy chromosomes wait no x Fuck.
0: They Doc, are... you're the scientist XX is the ladies, XY is. The I G. know,
2: and I realized that I got it backwards. I'm dyslexic. I'm allowed to mess up occasionally.
1: The the ones with boobies are in the she-wolf
2: pack. Boobies. Yeah, Jair has boobies too.
1: With one exception, they 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 have an honorary extra member. But uh, you know, the they build this. She builds this family for herself of these different parts of her life. And I really love that because I've done that as well. But the other theme, the other major theme of this book is people who have really crappy things that happen in their life and they have to find a way out of the abyss, out of the tragedy, out of the trauma. And they have to come to terms with not who they were, before but the new person that they are now
0: that got surprisingly deep
2: which tropes do you feel your series really plays with and takes to heart
1: um strong women and 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 like i was saying the family isn't who necessarily who you're born to but what you make for yourself um but also stab them with the pointy end.
2: Okay, so we're going to talk about subgenres really quick. because, And we talked about this a bit before the show, because these are some very common subgenre themes within like the YA subgenre. But this is n- not a YA book, right? No. Okay, because I just feel like, as much as I love YA, it, it, we need to be very clear when it's not a YA, even though it it's, deals with some of the same themes and tropes. So what tro- What subgenres do you th- feel like this from the ashes really fits into?
1: Um, I identify as Gaslamp and political fantasy.
2: Okay, um, so what's Gaslamp really quick? For those uh, who gas- may not be as familiar.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's actually a newer subgenre. It, the tw- the term was coined in 2006, so relatively, it's a baby genre. Um, I I often say that I have guns, sword, trains, and magic. Um, so it's it's the equivalent of the Victorian or the Edwardian era. You know, we have gas lamps and trains. Uh, weapon craft was extending to to you know better pistols that had better aim rifles um you had your sharpshooters that that was emerging um it's often second world fantasy or our world fantasy in an alternate
2: reality that is actually one of the best descriptions i've heard of gas lamp
0: i feel like we've interviewed somebody who wrote gas lamp but i can't remember who it is now
2: uh, I can think of a couple of them, but we can do an entire fireside chat all about the wonders of gas lamp later. Um,
0: yeah, Doc, get to scheduling.
2: So Jr. is going to have to do a lot more of the household chores then if I'm going to schedule all all these things so quickly. So. Now, on to the story itself. How about your main character? What do you think really makes them unique in the crowded field of fantasy?
1: You know, it's really hard to have a unique voice in fantasy these days because, as you said, it's, it's really crowded. Um, she isn't your typical princess who just does princessy things. She's very politically motivated. She's a floramp I'm not even gonna try that word. She does a lot of charity. Yeah, that one. She does a lot of charity. Um, <laughs> she does a lot of charity, but um, she is very interested in politics. She actually runs her, well, that's a spoiler. Um, she's very, she does a lot of going to the House of Lords, uh, sits and listens to the the debates tries to figure out the motivations behind different lords of why they want this past why they're proposing this um she's a shaker and a mover she doesn't just sit in her pretty dresses and sip tea uh she's she's out there doing things and making trying to make the world a better place
2: awesome
0: okay so were there any uh, especially memorable for you secondary characters? Uh,
1: I really love Gavintar, who is her betrothed. Um, he, he's got a little bit of a past. I hope to have some prequel novels with him later on, exploring that past a little bit more. Um, he's He is a, uh, a fun guy. One of the reasons that it is definitely, definitely not a ya is because he sheaths his sword on screen if you know what oh
0: wow yeah never mind i'm not gonna quote that movie
2: don't go there jr just don't for one your accent is deplorable uh
1: the one that really took me by surprise though was victoria um we comment more commonly known as tori she was supposed to be just a secondary character who you know goes around supporting things and uh she kind of said "Bitch, please and took over her part her angle of part three and did some things i had questions about and argued with her about and uh she got her way and also did some things on the page that make it my way (laughs) (laughs) um she is she is definitely a fan favorite i have been threatened with murder in very gruesome ways if i do anything to her and oh my her significant other uh her and her significant other are are finally enough the favorite couple and in the entire series they are one of the the three favorite couples and everyone loves them no one wants anything bad to happen to them uh yeah it's i don't know if it's the characters in that relationship though are so nuanced and so just so interesting um, they were just supposed to be decoration and they took over.
0: So there's always the general, uh, general hospital option where you kill them off and then, oh no, he was just in a hospital the whole time in a coma. He didn't really die.
1: Yeah, as long as all that happened in one book, I think I would be safe. But my editor knows where I live and she's on team.
0: I will kill <laughs>
2: Okay.
0: Oh my! Oh my! I heard that in George Takai's voice. Oh my! Um, so, and I can't do that accent either. So don't even don't even laugh. Uh, there's a reason he I don't narrate. He has him.
2: like no accent.
0: He has a little bit of a a tonal. Oh my! It's not an accent. Anyway, uh, so does your story have any bad guys that the main characters have to confront that you can tell us about without giving any spoilers?
1: Yes one of my funnest things to do is there is a character called the watcher who is a hathright spy the hathrights are the bad people and through two-thirds of the book no one knows who it is because all of my chapters they change pov so each chapter is in the pov of a different person and at the top of the chapter, it says who, who we're with, where we're at, and what the date is. So unlike a lot of fantasy novels, you don't have to guess how much time has passed from scene to scene. Um, it says it right there, what day it is. Um, and, and one of my favorite things is people trying to guess who the Watcher is. Um, but there's there's a couple of... People that they tangle with um, in book one that make life difficult, especially when Athena's life is made very difficult in in book one.
0: That and they're cool. all
1: connected to the Hathrites and, and their mad goddess.
0: Do you ever see the goddess on screen?
1: Um, she is in the prequel novel. And then we don't see her for all of book one, and then she shows up in book two and from book two on. um, we At first, it's very small slices of what's going on in Hathor, and then we start getting more characters and getting a little bit of the broader picture of what's going on there. Not everything is as it seems.
0: It never is. So speaking of characters and all the horrific things you seem to have done to yours. Uh, so given that, if you they met you in a back alley and they knew that you were Christina <clears throat> Um I know I mispronounced it that time, but I was trying too hard to sound angry. Um, but if they knew who you were as the writer of their universe, if they knew you know that you had created the scenarios that tormented so how do you see yourself faring in that dark alley?
1: Oh, they would fuck me up. Because they're all very well trained in weapon craft, and you know I do have swords on my wall, but I I can't use them.
0: Okay. Oh, Doc yeah, can, can show you how to use your sword. <laughs> she used to play with swords uh, when she larped.
2: I am very good. I'm much better with swords than Jr.
0: Now you to touch the uh, larping comment. You used to get so mad at that. It's not larping, Jr. It's the SCA.
2: No, it was much better to skew your masculinity.
0: I mean, whatever. my Schwartz is bigger than your walls. All right, Doc, carry on. No, it's not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So
2: since JR is uh unable to continue on with his questioning, uh can you did you have any scenes that you ended up deleting from the book? Yes. That you want to use for later? No, no. You just deleted them. And you're like, never mind. This just sucked.
1: Um, there was some stuff that was a little too graphic. Um, I was in a I can place understand I wrote, that. I was in a darker place when I wrote them, and um, I was just very cognizant of the fact that if if someone who had certain experiences read that it would be triggering and i it was it that was that takes just away easy, from the overall
2: fun of the book i get that
0: yeah so
1: it was just as easy to insinuate things off screen yeah than it was to have a terrible thing on screen but so, there are are some stuff some things that i've alluded to on the page um, like I make reference to a certain battle where, um, the Duke of Kilmarian did some fancy shit and he is known as the hero of that battle and everyone wants to know the story of why he's the hero of the battle. Um, I've, I've mentioned Gaventar's past, uh, that. There's some stuff I want to explore there. There's also some female characters, um, especially High Queen Malin and her sister-in-law. And everyone's favorite, the Dowager High Queen Arisana, who, if you're picturing Maggie Smith in your head right now, you are pretty spot on. Um, Everyone wants to know her backstory, her history. Um, She's alluded to some things, but she keeps it all very close to the vest. You know, very much like the Doubt Mabby Dowager. Um, so I would I definitely want to go back and explore her history. And she's old, so she's got a lot of shit we could get into.
0: Neat. That sounds very exciting. Is that so, something that you would uh, potentially put out there that you know, those cutscenes and such for your Patreon members or your newsletter subscribers?
1: I have uh, two short stories. One is like 10,000 words and one that's closer to 15,000 words that are free on my website right now. And uh, all you have to do is go there and download them. That's the spark and wildfire. The spark is set 20 years before from the ashes and wildfire actually dovetails events at the end of from the ashes okay so there's someone who exits the page and from the ashes about halfway mm-hmm. through the book and we find out what they got up to during the time that some other stuff was going on and from the ashes so it's definitely one to read in between book one and two but you can also read it as a standalone it's only got some mild spoilers
2: okay so can you tell us about the universe a little bit? I know with a lot of fantasy worlds, the, the universe is as much as a character as any of the protagonists, protagonists on the page. So um, what can we expect from this world?
1: So the universe, uh, I call it the Summerland universe, and it is composed was originally composed of nine planets. One had a, a cataclysmic event, which wiped all, out all life forms on the planet. Okay. We will learn more about that one later. But there are nine different worlds. Uh, some of them have been alluded to in the books. Um, one of them we learn quite a bit more about in book four. Um, I call it Astaria, and it's where there do be dragons. Uh, <laughs> So I, I'm in this universe, you know, while while I do have trains and guns in, in Redalon, which is the world where the In Blood and Fire series is set, there are other worlds that are in different stages of their development. So we may enter a world that's a little bit more technolog- technologically advanced. I have tongue twisters today and then we may enter some worlds that um are a little behind we may enter some worlds that are under the water so uh it's it's a it's a really big universe and there are going to be some overlapping things um i have established that there are certain beings that are not tied to one world so
0: coffee beans that sounds like a lot of fun
1: yeah
0: all right that does sound like a lot of fun so uh from the ashes is clearly part of series i know because we said that in the introduction there are currently four books out in the series in blood and fire um but is their story done what can we expect from these characters
1: so the fourth book comes out next month and then there's the fifth book which comes out later this year and another short story that will wrap up this particular series. Um, there, there's a pretty big. War. Happening. Uh, in the series. So not everyone makes it. There are actually only. A dozen safe characters. That I know they will not die. Oh. Yeah. Everyone else is is fair game as the story develops there are a few that i know will die um and i will be going into hiding (laughs) (laughs) after book five comes out uh but yeah so there the follow-up series um for from the ashes is phoenix rising and it will pick up with the aftermath of those characters who do survive the war and how they're picking up the pieces of their life and moving on Uh, so we will hear more from other characters
0: okay so we know that every literary universe has its own internally consistent rules of science technology and magic so what can we expect from this universe that you've created besides the gunpowder obviously and the swords
1: Every world will have its own magical system. Um, there, you know, they will each have their own unique magical system. But there's the overlap, overall system that created the universe, um, the Aetheron, which we're just getting into. So I don't want to talk too much about that. In book four is where we finally discover how the universe is made. And that magical ability will be woven in and out of all the worlds at some point in each world's story. Uh, but each world will have its own magical system, and then there will be a unique few people that have access to the Aetheron. So I can't okay. talk about it too much because I just.
0: No, we, we just don't want to get to so about it.
2: So, of all the magic you have in your universe, what would you want for daily use? Healing. How would you abuse it? I mean, healing's a little hard to abuse, but I mean, all I, I can throw a, a baric. And hey, who has a hangover? <laughs>
1: um, I think that one of the, the things that I really touch on in my world is consent consent for things to be done to you especially with the magical ability it would just be really hard for me to not run around and heal everyone (laughs) without asking although there are most people that i don't think they would care (laughs) if you if i just walked up to him and, and laid my hands on them and did the thing but um you know as with every magical system that is is believable. There, you know, there are limitations to my world, or, you know, to the magic in my world, you know, and healing, for example, you have to understand the anatomy of what you're fixing to fix it. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't know how the different layers of skin and how they're structured, you can't seal a wound
2: up. So do you have any fantastic creatures in your universe?
0: I I was kind of disappointed. There was a perfect way you could have abused that power that you didn't even talk about. How can you? are? no. If there's someone you you really don't like, you just kidnap them and beat the crap out of them, and you heal them, and then you keep beating the crap out of them.
2: I'm too nice. Uh, How did everyone else
0: not see that? Maybe I need to go back to the shrink
2: uh I hope your therapist is listening that's all I have to say. so anyways do you have any fantastic creatures in your universe well as
1: I said just a little bit ago uh best is is the home of the dragons and when I wrap up um the arc for from the uh, the in blood and fire series and Phoenix Rising that's actually the very next place that i'm going to but i think i'm going to give people a taste of what we have in store for us there in a few short stories before then
2: awesome so how do you go about creating those creatures that you've made or do you not want to tell us because it's too much of a spoiler
1: Too much of a spoiler to to an extent but i mean dragons have been done in so many ways uh you know it's really hard to make dragons new and different um i just give mine different personalities Um, you know i try and try and go for a little uniqueness uh but yeah i mean dragons are pretty tropey you know It's really hard to make them new again. Although uh, I I think Katie Roberts does a very interesting job of that. I I enjoy her. Her dragons are quite interesting.
0: It's good to know. So when you're not um, using existing tropalicious, to use Doc's word, uh fantastical creatures uh when you create some on your own like when you're creating something new that that isn't in every other book that's out there how do you go about doing that do you let your nightmares inspire you do you let mother nature inspire you do you make it up completely out of whole cloth
1: i i do have one that we're going to visit in and and not the but um in ithrameria's past Uh, we learn about that place in book four and I kind of made it the path that I would want to have
0: okay all right so as this uh interview is winding down was there anything about from the ashes or the in blood and fire series that you wanted to tell us but but you didn't ask or that we didn't ask yet
1: there's something for everyone you know every book (coughs) excuse me bless you throat was getting dry. Every book's got battles. Um, <coughs> every book. It's has not the Rona. No, it's not the Rona. I have really bad allergies. And we've been having that weather that's very common in spring for Texas, where it's like 30 degrees in the morning and 70 to 80 degrees in the evening. And it makes my allergies haywater uh there's a character for everyone um someone that everyone can identify I actually have more than 50 on-page point of view characters at this point in the series uh, and and yes there is a character sheet at the beginning of every book <laughs> so you know who is who <laughs> and how they're connected to the other people um but there's there's something for everyone and uh In the end, no matter what you've lost, there's always something to be found in this world to live for, to help you move on. And, and that's what the overwhelming theme and, and I think From the Ashes is from is, you know, if you've got your people with you, you can move on from anything you can you can heal from anything you just have to have that
0: desire okay that's uh yeah i got you again it's okay you haven't even been drinking yet but um so before we let you go we'd like to harken back to what we would tell our listeners on our old podcast That uh, please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So uh, even bad reviews can help sell a book. We've said it before. I've bought books because of the one-star reviews. It said way too much cussing and it feels like gun porn. And I'm like, dude, sign me up. I'll buy two copies. Uh, so, so share your thoughts. And if you if you don't buy it from Amazon and you get it somewhere else, share it, review it there. Share it with your friend. Start a blog. Review your books there. But but tell people what you're reading and, and what you think about it. Um, and that really does go a long way to help the authors that you like keep writing the books that you want to read. So, because uh, editing ain't cheap, and if you want that book in your grubby little hand, you got to make sure they can afford to pay the pay to keep the lights on. But uh, now that I've done that and I've told you that, dear listener, yet again for the hundred and billionth time. Uh, Christina, can you tell listeners how they can find you?
1: I am on Facebook, a Facebook group and a uh, Facebook page. I'm actually most active on Discord. We have a Summerled Universe Discord server. I can be found there most days. I often uh, do my writing sprints there so you can actually keep up with how close I am to getting to your next book out uh instagram TikTok. uh i have a twitter i don't use it don't bother um and then uh i do a weekly email uh where i kind of tell you what the fuck i'm up to and i give you a picture of my dog
0: who doesn't like dogs
2: dogs yeah
1: my i um... have a 90 pound lap dog that is called lando calrissian and his 50-pound sister, who is Leia, work on it. And I share pictures of both of them and tales of their misdeeds.
0: Uh, I can get behind <laughs> that. The puppers rule the world. So you can find, as usual, dear listener, all of her contact information will be in the show notes below. So take a time to, to read through those. We, we spend all five seconds to format that and auto-copy and paste every episode. So um, you can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com doc wants to hear all about why pineapple does not belong on pizza and tell her that she is wrong it will help set her straight save her from her own heretical thoughts. Uh, You can also join us on Facebook where we're a group where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast over there on the facebook we have a website anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades you can support the show also on our website much like a patreon model for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on over at anchor.fm backslash Blasters, tacky, and tack blades. And finally, as you read at the bottom of the screen, you can support the show at buymeacoffee.com/author JR Handley. Buymeacoffee.com/author JR Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. Ever. Once more, with more enthusiasm for the people who never back. surrender. All right, Doc, bring us home.
2: So thank you for supporting the show, spending some of your precious time with us. For the absentee, Nick Garber, who, if he doesn't show up more often, I'm just going to drink his share. Um, J.R. Handley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place, where we indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom, and, of course, pineapple on pizza being the best.